0: So welcome, Warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome, Warrior. I am so, 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 so happy to be chatting with you today. Just before we start, though, I wanted to jump in and ask you to please submit a written review for this podcast. If you enjoy it and you know would like others to receive the help that you might feel that you are receiving from this podcast, then one of the best ways to support me without having to pay anything is to be able to leave me a review. That way, Apple can see that it is helpful to people and then recommend it more in their podcast feeds. It can help us jump up the rankings. And so submitting a review, a written review would be so, so appreciated. Now, today I wanted to share with you, it's from a blog post that I wrote years ago, right when we were in the thick of IVF. So that's quite a few years ago now, but it's been my most popular, like written post of all time. It's gone like viral on Pinterest heaps of times, and it's got something like tens of thousands of views on YouTube. It's one of the only videos that I've ever done on YouTube. And I was like, you know what? This needs to be shared on the podcast as well. So I have for you today, five tips for your next IVF egg retrieval. And these are based on my own personal experience with two egg retrievals. So I had two egg retrievals and both of them were such different experiences. So I'm going to jump in and tell you about each of those experiences and then go through my five tips. So my first experience was Basically, right in the middle of when I was a complete hot mess emotionally around infertility. And it was our first time, obviously, jumping into IVF, although we'd had several IUI cycles, we'd had several ovulation inductions, we'd done all the tests, I'd been doing acupuncture and blah, blah, blah. So we went in for this egg retrieval, and I have private health insurance. So I went into the private section, which is the super fancy section of the hospital. And it all felt, you know, like really nice. My a dad came and dropped me off and I got to sit in my private room and watch some TV. And then they wheeled me through and I got wheeled through pretty early. We had to arrive at the hospital at about 7am and I got wheeled through at like 9, 9.30 in the morning. So that was pretty cool. So I got wheeled into the thing. Anesthetists are always some of the funniest people that you can meet so they gave us kind of some jokes and things like that and then the next thing I knew I was being put under and then I woke up and it was all over and I was in like a recovery room and then got wheeled back to my own private room with my TV. And so they kind of say that you need to have something to eat, something to drink, and they need to, you know, check a few stats before you can go home. And it was about sort of 1:30, 2 o'clock. They gave me some sandwiches. Obviously, I was on a very strict diet at the time, so I did not really want to eat what they had to offer me. But I felt pretty good after. My dad came to pick me up and we got uh, zamburos on the way home. So I got like a burrito. It's a Mexican or Tex Mex kind of joint. And I felt kind of okay. I went home. I took the day off work. And I, the egg retrievals are held on a Friday at our clinic, typically. And so I had the weekend off and I just kind of chilled and laid in bed and watched some TV. But overall, for the most part, I felt pretty great. So we then had that egg retrieval. But by like 48 hours later, I was feeling quite bloated, but also quite excited. And I'll share my story with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome in another upcoming episode. But I felt quite bloated, but I was super excited. They said, "Mm, it's looking like you might have been getting some of the symptoms of hyperstimulation. How are you feeling? Do you want to go ahead with the retrieval or do you want us to freeze it? And you know what? You can't ask that to a woman with infertility. They're, I'm obviously going to always be like, transfer it, transfer it. So that's what I was, like. I was like, transfer that. So they transferred it. Although after that, I progressively got worse and worse and worse and ended up with horrible ovarian stimulation. I actually felt like death. And the day that I felt the worst was about 10 days or 11 days after our retrieval. And I fell pregnant actually during that cycle, which is one of the sort of hallmarks of really bad hyperstimulation is that you could be pregnant because it like kind of exacerbates it. Uh, But we then later lost that baby to a miscarriage. And it was, we only lost the baby a few days before the first ultrasound. So we didn't know whether or not there was a heartbeat or anything like that. But we lost the baby. It was an unviable pregnancy and so that was basically my first egg retrieval but as far as the retrieval went it was smooth sailing second retrieval however was a whole nother kettle of fish so my second retrieval was done after another failed IVF transfer using frozen embryos I had three so they put two in at this time and neither took But this is when I had started doing all of the emotional work around, you know, surviving my miscarriage, coming out of this process. And I went into the next retrieval like I was in the process of doing all of the work. But feeling really good, feeling really confident, I went in at 7.30 like you do for My egg retrieval, I walked into the private section. They said, oh, I'm really sorry. And they make you go to the maternity ward at the place that I was in, so that kind of sucks. But I didn't get my private room. I got wheeled into the public area, which is like cattle class with, I sound so snobby saying that, but it was like 12 beds all in the one room. No one had a TV. There was nothing else. My husband couldn't come back with me, whereas the first time my dad came with me and sat with me for a while. So it was all over kind of a different experience and, you know, like it is really stressful and I remember kind of just getting in there and having a few tears about how different this felt and I didn't feel, you know, like valued. I didn't feel like I was getting my money's worth because, you know, like I was paying a lot of money for this. I pay for private health insurance. I didn't feel like I needed to go into the public section but I actually had some of the nicest nurses in that section it ended up being much later, so I only got wheeled in at about eleven a.m. And same kind of thing. I actually had the same man do my retrieval, which is Dr. Vince Chapel, who I, you know, I believe is an ultimate professional. Although he didn't really, he never really said anything to me. Like when I was wheeled in for my retrievals, he was just looking at the computer. I think he was just trying to work and like get his game on. So same kind of thing, I woke up, I felt really foggy when I woke up and I could not remember anything from like one second to the next. All I remember saying to the lady was, sorry, how many did they retrieve? When you have an egg retrieval, this is what you always need to know. The numbers always go down, okay? So you have your ultrasound and they count all the little follicles and that's a really big number depending on, you know, where you are. But then they go in. And sometimes it's less than that number on the ultrasound. But then some of them are like empty follicles. It's just like water-filled little follicles. So the number's less. Then obviously less fertilize. then less make it. So be prepared that let's say you retrieve, no one retrieve, well, not many people retrieve this many, but let's say you retrieve 46, that number's going to go down, okay? So it's not going to be like, whoa, I'm freezing 46 embryos. It doesn't work like that. The number always goes down. Uh, so be prepared for that. All I remember saying is I'm waking up and just going, How many? And how many were like mature eggs? Okay, how many eggs did you say? And she was really lovely. She actually said that she had twins through IVF and she'd been through that whole journey herself. So that was really lovely. I got wheeled back to the public area and I just remember being in so much freaking pain. It was like an 8 out of 10 pain and the lady from the fertility clinic came to talk to me and go through the stats and the aftercare. She was like, are you okay? I was like, I'm actually in just so much pain, like cramping pain. So she called them over. They gave me some really strong painkillers that did the trick. I had my drips, so I needed to get through two drips before I would be discharged. The nurses were some of the loveliest people. They were so caring up until about 2.30 p.m., when the nurse's shifts changed and I was, like, literally I was kept being in so much pain. I felt really dizzy. I just didn't feel good. And the nurse came and got the bag with the, like, drip and squeezed the bag. She was, like, come on, we got to get you out of here, like, your time, and squeeze the bag with, like, all of the stuff in it. And so I was, like, kind of horrified and then she was, like, okay, drip's finished. See ya. I was, like, can my husband come and help me get dressed? And she was, like, no sorry, no one's allowed back here. You're just going to have to manage it. I'll come back later and help you, but you need to go, you know, you really need to get up and get dressed. And I was in so much pain and trying to put my pants on. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is not good. Um, I managed to put my pants on myself very gingerly and not very well. I then met my husband outside in like the lobby kind of area. And he was like, okay, I'm going to get the car. And I was like, I don't feel good And he was like, okay, just sit here on the pavement. And I was like blacking out on the pavement in the car park. Uh, I've never, I feel like I've never told this story. Uh, I was blacking out in the car park. He had to like carry me to get me in the car. And then I just sat there like, what the hell has happened? And he drove me home. He had to carry me inside because I kept blacking out. And I just laid in bed feeling generally sorry for myself And then I felt this incredible pain, like bananas pain. You cannot imagine this pain in my shoulder. And then I remember just calling out to him and calling out to him and he didn't come. Turns out he was in the shed doing something. I was calling out and then I like got up and I was leaning over the chest of drawers and then the pain started to go. So that pain was actually referred pain or it's like air bubbles that were coming up from obviously where they'd done all of the stuff. And so that was kind of my journey. But that said, within, you know, like 24 to 48 hours, I felt much better and I didn't get hyperstimulation. So it was really all over two very, very different experiences that we went through and that cycle was successful. And we had to do two-day transfers with my little people. Both of them we did two-day transfers. So we never waited for blast assist. To this day, I'm still not 100% sure of the reason for that i think they because of my age because of ross's sperm i think they just felt like they wouldn't survive possibly to blastocyst level so they wanted to chuck those suckers back in as soon as they can so that was my two very different experiences and coming out of those two experiences what are my tips for you so the first one is wear loose clothing y'all I don't know what was I was thinking, but I put on these tight jeans when I woke up in the morning. And then trying to put those motherfuckers back on when I was feeling like death and like trying to zip them up and I was feeling bloated was just not a good look. And I think I was, you know, being vain. Sometimes we're really vain. I was being vain and thinking, that I've got to look good when I walk in, blah, blah, blah. No way, man. If I did that again, I would be wearing like tracksuit pants all the way. Just feel comfortable. So wear loose clothes. You're going to feel bloated. You might feel a bit sore. Just wear something that's going to be comfortable for you. The next thing that I recommend that I used after both egg retrievals is get one of those wheat heat packs that you can put on your tummy. So it's the same as when you get your period And if you have some cramping, you want like a wheat pack to kind of help ease that cramping and things like that. So definitely get a wheat heat bag and get that ready. You might want to buy yourself like a nice new one to kind of commemorate the experience and help yourself feel better. Bonus points if you get one that has pineapples on it. The next one is to brief your husband or your partner. And so one of the reasons why I was feeling so I don't even know how to say it, so crampy and like death is because even though they only retrieved like 14 eggs, the anaesthetist and about three nurses actually said to me afterwards, they had to do quite a bit of digging around in there, which is (laughs) possibly the reason why I was in so much pain after the second one. So they're literally punching like through your vagina or your uterus, and they literally punch into the ovaries to get those eggs out. But, you know, the Panadine, the painkillers that I had in hospital wore off when I got home, and the wheat heat pack and the hot water bottle were what got me through. But, you know, like Ross literally had to carry me through the door. I really needed his help. And so I said to him, like, you're going to need to take the day off work. And I said to him, like, please, can you just look after me? i need you to cook dinner. And, you know, I just want to rest on this weekend. I don't know how I'm going to feel. And so he really helped me with that. So just brief them, let them know that this is what's going to happen. I'm kind of want to going to want to rest for a little bit after. And that's exactly what happened. And so on that note girl, be selfish. Like, seriously, you're just going through essentially what surgery. I had zero shame. One of the biggest changes I have had in my life was in saying to people, like when people join the Fertility Warrior Intensive or the membership, it's people like literally putting their hands up and saying, do you know what? Actually, I don't feel like doing this on my own anymore. And there's so much research out there that shows that People often underestimate the help that people are willing to give them. But not only that, but that the most successful people in life, so think like CEOs and things like that of companies, one of the key differentiators of what makes them successful is that they readily ask for help. What's the worst that is going to happen? Someone's going to say no, right? So God damn it, be selfish girl. And so I was like, mom, can you just do all my laundry for me? And I had no plans to be a hero. I didn't want to push myself. I had full intentions of just sitting on the couch for the whole weekend, watching Netflix. And I tried on one of the egg retrievals to power through and even go to work, but I could barely even walk. So You know, maybe that was my first retrieval that, you know, I tried to go back to work. But my second retrieval, I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to rest. I'm like straight up just going to do what I want to do. And you deserve rest. Like you deserve a little bit of a break. You don't have to power through, you don't have to do it all yourself. So ask your mother, ask your husband, ask your neighbor, ask someone. Get your laundry done. Get someone to clean the house, get someone to cook dinner. You rest, girl, because you've just done something that I think is pretty heroic. The next thing that I want to say is keep some perspective. It's sucky to have to go through IVF, okay? We don't want to do it. It costs a lot of money. There's no guarantee that it will be successful, but it is still one step closer to reaching the dream. If it doesn't work, on the very, very least, you're further down the track. They might know what kind of IVF cycle to do next time. You will have a better idea of, what eggs fertilize, like every time we go to the next step. So the next step after IVF is ICSI. There's like another step like of getting things pre-genetically tested. Every time you take the next step, you're like eliminating other things, finding out things that aren't working so that then you can find the things that do work. So whenever we look at like failure, which is a crap word, don't ever look at it as like the things that you're doing something wrong. Look at it as finding the things that don't work so that you can figure out the things that do work right and I promise you this whole journey is making you so much stronger if you have your next egg retrieval coming up I'm sending you so much baby dust I promise you I am let's just touch base on those five tips again so number one wear loose clothes number two get a wheat a heat pack or a hot water bottle number three brief whoever is your care person number four be selfish. You deserve this. You're the one going through this. So you do not have to power through and be a hero. You are a total badass warrior by asking for help. Uh, And the very last one is remember that this is all getting you one step closer to your dream of becoming a mama. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. As mentioned before, do make sure that you jump on and give us a review. It will be so, 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 so gratefully received. Thanks and catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources, and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinbirkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.